Hi guys, and welcome to the Figure It Outable podcast. I'm your host, Carly Visconto, and this is a space where we talk all things navigating life in your 20s, diving into the topics of health, wellness, career, faith, relationships, and so much more. No longer are the days where we have to act like we have it all figured out. In a world that likes to pretend, join me for your dose of reality, proving that you can live your happiest life while figuring it out at the same damn time. Before we obviously started recording, I was thinking about how we would explain how we know each other and just thinking about all of our memories when <laughs> I lived on DeMarco still and you were right around the corner. My boyfriend was like, oh, whose podcast are you doing? And I'm like, I'm like, oh, a friend like from grade school. I'm like, we were scooter girls. We would always go to that hill with our yeah. little razors. Yeah. We would just go down, up, down, up like Don't four hours. <laughs> and then I was thinking about our band. Do you remember our band? Yes, name? yes, yes. Uh, with what was it? I don't even remember. I, re- it, was- I it took me a minute to remember it. Something right, like Swedish obsession. Okay, yes. yes. I remember going online and using like a random name generator, and it was like plug yes. in like a few names or a few like keywords that you want and we like plugged in like six and then like you didn't like Swedish obsession that much but I was like so gung-ho I'm like no Amanda this is it this is it and so we did it (laughs) Um, I remember your basement being haunted remember that for sure the Elmo like that went off and we like ran up I remember that because I that was like traumatizing so people still like don't believe me when I say that my house was haunted like you can attest did your parents ever say it was haunted or did they like yes yeah the ghost talked to my mom and my aunt like they described the same voice like somebody died right before we moved in like it was very real and then I also was thinking about when we were um in the city's tournament for softball Ah, uh, yes. And we, and we got to leave school and we got our buffalo chicken cheesesteaks. Yes. <laughs> That's why we won. <laughs> Literally. That was like our pregame fuel. Your dad would pick us up like a half hour early from school, take us directly to Steak and Hoagie. We would get our buffalo chicken cheesesteak, drop us <laughs> off. We'd eat it. He'd pick me back up. Yep. Yeah, we do have a lot of good memories. <laughs> I know. I know. So obviously I know who you are, but can you just talk a little bit about your childhood and the sports that you played growing up and really just how you found your love for jiu-jitsu and MMA? So um, I was always like an athletic kid, was like a weirdo, like would oh, <laughs> like do push-ups and sit-ups like in between like commercials <laughs> on TV. My dad like always encouraged it. Um, and I always played softball and that was like my like first love, um, with softball. And like, my dad would always take me to like privates to like learn how to bat or like learn how to pitch. And, um, he always loved to put me in like pressure positions because like, you know, if you're pitching, like you're in the game the whole time. Right. Um, I played basketball, but I was like, okay at it, but it wasn't like my, like my love, like I loved softball. Um, so my dad and my uncle would always watch the UFC and they thought that like the ground aspect of it which is jujitsu was like super cool so there's like takedown submissions so submissions can be like choke holds or like hyper extension of limbs and they're like oh man this would be so good for amanda 
they took me to my first class and I don't, I always say like, Oh, I loved it. But I'm like, in real, in reality, I was just like, Oh yeah, I'll do it. Like I was just like a kid that was just like willing to like try anything. Um, and then my dad like threw me in my first tournament in like four months. Like most people don't even compete until they're like over six months to a year in. And my dad was like, Oh no, you're going to do it. Just threw me in the fire, lost my first match, hysterically cried, wanted to get home. And he was like, can you just please stay for one more? And, um, I did like the next one and I won. And like the feeling of getting my hand raised was just like one that like stuck with me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is so great. Like this feeling is just something I want to like continue to feel like. It's just like, it feels like you're on top of the world almost. How so, old were you at this point? I was 11 at this 11, point. 11, okay. Um. So yeah, so like that feeling just stuck with me and I'm like, I got to keep doing this. So then I would just like keep competing. I kept training and- here I am like 14 years later um, and I'm like ranked number six in the world for jujitsu. Um, I like competed all over the place, all over the country. Um, I've been to Canada, England. Um, but yeah, and it's just like a cool sport. Like it's different. Not a lot of people do it. And then like jujitsu just overall is just like, it's, I think people like look at it as like a physical factor, but like the mental is just like a whole nother level of like intensity, right? Like trying to remember what you have to do, like, or like just being your best and performing at your best on a specific day, instead of just like going in the training and having fun. Whereas like, this is like serious. And now it's kind of like, oh crap. Like there's some other factors here in play. Like you can get hurt. Like, so all of it together is just like a big adrenaline rush, I guess. And I guess that's why I love it. When was the first time that you like saw yourself actually making a profession out of this and not just doing it up until, you know, you were a young adult and then it was time to like go to college and then like get a real job? When did you see yourself competing on a bigger stage? Um, so I would probably say when I was like 14, 15, um, it's kind of when like Ronda Rousey was like making her big like debut in like the UFC. And it was like a big thing because like, the owner of the UFC said he would never have girl fights. Mm -hmm. And then she was like the first one to get in there to have fights. So she was just so big. And I was like, like, Oh, I can do MMA too. So I knew eventually that I wanted to do MMA. Um, just because like jujitsu gets kind of repetitive almost. I don't want to say it's repetitive but because it, you always get different opponents, but like the feeling isn't as intense as like the feeling of an MMA fight. Like MMA fight, there's so much more at stake than like a jiu-jitsu match because again, you're getting punched, you're getting kicked, you're getting elbowed, you're getting kneed. Um, so there's just so many more factors at play versus like jiu-jitsu, which is just submissions and you're more, you're more safe. Um, but when I like got to a senior in high school and I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, I can either really focus on MMA and try to make it a career where I can go to college and be an undecided and not know what I do and waste money. So I was kind of like, uh, I don't know how to put it. Like, I almost felt like ashamed because I wasn't going to college like everybody else was. You know, like everyone's, oh, I'm going here. I'm going here. I have my trans my transcripts sent to here. I'm just like, I'm going to go train. <laughs> I'm going to go train and try to uh, make it as a professional fighter. And, um, like everyone was always very supportive of it, but I still just felt so awkward, like telling people like then when they would be like, Oh, where are you going to school? And I'm like, 
I'm not. When you told people like what you were trying to pursue, there's no way somebody wouldn't be like, oh my God, that's badass. Like yeah. you can't even yeah. argue that. Like that's yeah, so much cooler than going to school. Yes. <laughs> so um, ironically, I'm in school now, but I just want to, because I know in reality, I can't fight forever. And then I do need a career after fighting. So um, that's what I'm doing, like the preparation work now. So I'm like doing classes just to get the prerequisites out of the way and all the other bull crap that you have to pay for that you don't really need <laughs> for your yep. actual career. <laughs> yep. Just get so, that piece of paper. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, so now I'm in school, but that probably around 14 is when I realized that I wanted to make this a career. And so obviously you said like you started out with jujitsu and knew that you wanted to do MMA at this point in your career. Like how often are you doing jujitsu matches versus MMA fights? So I still like to do jujitsu matches, even though I'm not like, I wasn't focused so much on it because like you have to really dedicate your time to MMA just again, because there's so much at stake. Right. Uh, so you have to like learn how to do like stand ups. You have to tie, learn how to tie everything together, basically. Like all martial arts skills, you have to learn to tie together to be able to perform in MMA. Whereas jiu jitsu is just like one art. Um, so I still do jiu jitsu matches though, because it like keeps you active and keeps you in the repetition of performing in front of people, performing on a stage. And it's like getting repetitions in because I always say like competing is a skill too. So, um, I just try to take them again, just for as repetition. Um, and then it also just helps that I'm really good at it. <laughs> so I'm able to like compete against like really high level competitors. So I kind of have like my toes dipped in one and my toes dipped in the other, whereas most people kind of just dedicate their lifestyle to one or the other. And so when you do get into the, your like MMA fights, do you feel like you carry more of your like jujitsu style just because like that is your background and those are your strengths? Oh, 100%. So I've done like a boxing match before, a kickboxing match before, just to get like used to being in like a fight, like used to be used to getting punched and being able to go through like multiple rounds of that. Um, so I did that in preparation before I went into an MMA fight. And then I had my first MMA fight. And I like, again, just did my jujitsu and like submitted the girl in like two minutes. And um, but I was like, man, this kind of sucks because like, it wasn't a real experience. Like, it's great that I beat her in two minutes. Like, hell yeah. But like, in reality, I'm like, I need to know what it's like to be in an actual fight still. So like, even my le my first pro fight, I like tried to stand up like for the first round. And she caught me with like a really good punch. But again, I just utilize my jujitsu, which is like really great because I've been doing jujitsu for so long. It's like, I feel like it's harder to learn how to do jujitsu than it is to learn striking. So I feel like I have a just like a major advantage of being so great at jujitsu that like it carries well into MMA. When you think of your first big fight in your mind, what fight is that? Probably my oh um so like for jujitsu it'd probably be the Gabby Garcia match and then the for MMA it would be my pr first pro fight. And was that fight the one that you got knocked out and literally got back up in three seconds? Like your knees gave out and you got back up. So it was kind of funny because like, and I didn't like go out, out. I just remember like my legs turning off and going, crap, my, where are my legs? <laughs> and like, and then she's coming forward and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so like, again, like your instincts just kick in and I was able to use my jujitsu, but 
it's just so crazy because that feeling of your legs turning off was so insane what your body does when you just get like hit just right um but again i'm just glad i got that out of the way i'm like okay we, ha- we got that experience out of the way i don't need another one <laughs> has that happened since no no luckily not do you have to weigh in for both mma and jiu-jitsu uh yes so jiu-jitsu is very like uh the weight classes are like 145 and up which sucks like for like big tournaments you could get like a super fight and be like okay we're gonna agree to meet at this weight and then you have to weigh in and usually weigh-ins are either like the day before or the morning of um okay so like cutting weights like a whole a whole big thing and like the culture which i hate because like it just messes your whole body chemistry up then you feel like crap if you cut too much weight or if you don't do it correctly and then you're not really like no one's fighting their actual weight class so it's like very annoying and some promotions like there's this one promotion that does like dehydration tests and like multiple things to make sure that you're fighting at your natural weight, like as closest to your natural weight as possible. Whereas then you have like the UFC who like you weigh in like a day or two before, and then you have to, it like gives the athletes time to like recover, rehydrate, so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, I just, I hate, that's probably the worst part of the, the sport is like cutting weight. What is the most weight you've ever had to cut for a fight? Um, so probably like 30 pounds 30 yeah so uh there was this like one tournament it was like for 20 grand so i'm like all right for 20 grand i'll try to lose 30 pounds i mean that's like actors and actresses losing weight for parts they're (laughs) They're like all right if you pay me enough yes i would like never recommend doing it ever again i probably wouldn't do it ever again because i felt like such crap i won my first match and i after that i looked at my coach i'm like i'm not gonna be able to do the next one i'm just telling you right now i'm gonna lose because my body felt so terrible so i i walk around at like 160 165 and um the weight class was 135 and my body just once i got to like 148 just like wouldn't drop anymore like i was what i was doing to my body was so horrible i was running for like hours on the treadmill eating like the bare minimum i mean i have like a, i have a strength and conditioning person and like a nutrition person. So they were helping me like get down to the lowest I could, but then I had to do the 10 pounds of water weight the night before. So that's what really screwed me. Yeah. Um, 10 pounds of water yeah. weight. Holy shit. And like, that's like a mental, like talk about a mental battle, like trying yeah, to that's mental warfare. <laughs> yes. Yes. Cause you literally just want to die. Like <laughs> your mouth is like so dry. You're um, it's just, it's terrible. I don't recommend it, but so I did like, uh, running on the treadmill in a sauna suit. Then we had to do, um, like sitting in a sauna and I, I could barely sit in saunas now because I have like PTSD from cutting weight. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, but yeah, so I was eventually able to get down to like 135, and I literally looked like a skeleton. And then again, just didn't feel good. My dad even gave me an IV. And that didn't really help that much. Um, and it was so crazy because my body, I weighed in at 135 on Sunday morning. And on Tuesday before we went home, this because it was like in, in California, my body was holding on to so much. I was up to like 160. You so, are kidding. Yes. yes. It's oh. insane what your body does. 
And were and you back to eating like normally or were you overcompensating and just like I was definitely overcompensating. I mean, you were malnourished, so like well, so like I was this was and I it's not like I cut last minute. Like this was a, an accumulation of over like months of cutting. Like it's not like I was like, "Oh, I'm it's month out. I'm just going to try to cut 30 pounds." Like no, like I like was trying to gradually do it for like over 3 months. Um so that's what sucked when I my body just wanted to drop under 148. Uh, cause I knew it was going to be a ton of water weight and like cutting water weight's never fun, but. And you yeah. said it was 20 grand to win, right? Not just to fight. Yeah. Did you win? No. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Well, <I> know. <laughs> it sounds like a grueling experience, but you would have forever like thought what if, if you did. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Can you walk me through a big fight weekend? Basically they like fly you out, right? For MMA, it's like they fly you out, like you're probably out there like five days before you fight they have you in like a nice hotel it's so much fun and then like you're just like going about your day like oh we'll train in the morning sit by the pool go get something to eat because they provide food like it's so much fun um and then like you know like my boyfriend's there my coaches will be there so like it's just it's just fun because you're just training you're chilling out and it's like it's almost like uh, like a little mini vacation because you're like the week of your fight, you're not training as hard as you were leading up to the fight, right? Because you want to have like your peak week, whereas like you're performing at your best or like you feel your best, you're you're more recovered and everything like that. So um, in jujitsu, you're kind of like maybe two days out there or they'll fly you out. And then like sometimes you'll do a press conference, you'll do weigh-ins and then the next day you fight. Um, same kind of thing with MMA, like the day before you're weighing in, you're doing like a press conference-esque thing and then you fight the next day. Um, so like for MMA, it's like way different because I feel like I get like more, it's so much more intense. Jiu-Jitsu, I'm just like, oh yeah, like we'll warm up, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get it going. Like, and then I'll go and fight. Whereas like MMA, it's like, you know, there's so much at stake. So like, it's so much more nerve, so much more build up. Um, and then you have like people texting you and like, then the like you know then you get emotional because everyone's like sending you these like nice texts like you're gonna die or something. It's just like such a surreal feeling. Like, I I always said like I wish I could bottle up the feeling before and like the feeling after because like the like you could lose in the worst possible fashion and you still feel so accomplished after you fight because you're so nervous and like your adrenaline is so built up that like the relief of it and like the you know, like the satisfaction of all the work that you put in just feels yeah. so good. Yeah, the outcome can't take away from that. Like you yeah. prepared as best as you could and you're probably like, and you're leaving it all out there every time. Like, especially if you're you, like you're not walking away from a fight thinking there was more that you could give. So like, that's gotta be so satisfying. Yes, it is. It's like the best. So um, what I started doing for my, my pre-fight rituals is like, I'll write down like all my fears and then I'll either light it on fire or like, like tear it all up and like throw it in the trash, flush it down the toilet, something to get rid of it. Because like in my head, I'm like, okay, like these are all my fears. These are all the things that like the worst case scenarios that could happen. Right. So I'm just going to let them go because once I write it down, once that paper goes, like there goes all my fears, we're done. We're not thinking about them anymore. Um, so that's probably my favorite, like pre-fight ritual now is just because it feels like it feels good actually to kind of like write it on a piece of paper and then like get rid of it. Do you find that your fears are the same 
before fights or are they do they vary uh they're pretty much consistently the same can yeah, you like, listen uh, on one or two like yeah, what what, like, what are the like what is the worst that can i mean besides like literal physical harm? yeah so like getting knocked down <laughs> ironically it was like the first one on my list <laughs> for my pro fight <laughs> um it was like getting knocked down um not performing in my at my best um like being hesitant like things like that because again like just when, when you're out there you can get so caught up like i can't like i've done hundreds of jiu-jitsu matches and i could tell you like it's still the same. Like you could have like a great day, be on fire. And then the next time you compete, you could be like, did I even show up today? I don't understand. I don't understand what happened out there. Um, so that's like the aspect that like always like, again, where I say like competing is a, a skill in itself. So you mentioned your coach travels with you and like your dad or your boyfriend. So I want to talk about like the, the people in your life. Like first, I guess we'll talk about coaching who are you coached by and also are you coached by the same person or slash group for both jiu-jitsu and mma um so jiu-jitsu and mma it's different um so i kind of go everywhere so i have like a lot of people that are like involved with this so like for jiu-jitsu um i go to this place called precision which is like in king of prussia like near king of prussia um, so that's run by like Rob Shire. So he's like one of my jujitsu coaches. And then Jay Rogobudo is also a jujitsu coach of mine. He's kind of like does his own thing, runs like kind of like a club. Um, and then for MMA, I go to a place in Jersey and he's like, he's been like around the sport for like a long time, which is great. So he does like a lot of like the MMA training for me and his name is Robert Peach. And then I go to um, Daniel Gracie's in the city. So um, that's where like big UFC fighters train. Like that's like where Sean Brady is, Pat Sabatini. Um, so they're like, you're like basically like Philly MMA fighters. And it's really cool because like the Philly scene for like MMA is like really growing. And like we have like so many like UFC fighters now that actually live here, which is so cool. Um, so it'll be great to keep watching their matches. Like Sean fights in October. Like yeah, October. it's coming up. My dad's been talking about it for like ever now. <laughs> yeah. So like it's like excited to like watch like people you like know or people just in from Philly like out there representing with like the best in the world. Right. Absolutely. And then from like the parent aspect, like I just want to know about like how your parents feel before you fight. And like obviously your dad is like your number one supporter, like he's the one that got you to the sport. So he obviously has to have like a tougher exterior when it comes to like letting his baby girl go ahead into these big fights. But like, how does your mom feel about it? And like just the rest of your family, it's got to be so nerve wracking. Yeah. So like my dad and then like his twin brother, my uncle, my uncle Chris, mm -hmm. uh, they're like the ones that really got me starting jujitsu. So they're like so, so involved with everything. Um, and like people could like talk crap <laughs> about how bad my dad was when I was a kid, like how, how like, like no messing around. Like I remember when he made me like throw out a second place trophy in front of everyone because we got second place and everyone was like going to get pizza after. And he's like, Nope, we're going home. But again, I want to be where I am without that kind of parenting style. So again, I, I mean, it depends on the kid varies from person to person, but like, I know that I like thrived because of that kind of um, that parenting, like that hard style of like competitiveness, no messing around, 
type of parenting. Did you have that perspective back then? Or were you like, dad, can't we just go get pizza? I'm hungry. (laughs) No, I just went along with it. Like, I was just like, okay, like we're, we're here, we're doing it. (laughs) So, um, he still gets so nervous. Um, my uncle and him, they both get sick. They won't like say it outright until after they'll be like, oh man, I was so nervous. (laughs) But again, they're confident in us and stuff like that. So it's nice. My mom is a complete mess. Um, after I broke my leg, this one, she's like, I'm done watching you and Evan. You guys can just call and tell me what, <laughs> what happened. The outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like my first MMA fight, my sister was like, mommy was so embarrassing. All she kept screaming was that's my daughter. <laughs> so she was there in person. Yeah. For the first one. And then okay. my first pro fight, she called me and she was like drunk and my mom doesn't even drink. Like my, both my parents are so sober like sober Sally's and uh she called me and she was like I'm drunk <laughs> and I'm like that's great <laughs> I won <laughs> but um uh she gets like so worked up like she'll be sick all day like all day and she'll t- she'll look be like I don't know why you guys do this to me blah blah blah, blah. I'm like I-, I don't know what to tell you mom <laughs> does she feel a little bit better and less nervous before jujitsu no she still gets herself she so still gets up. very nervous yeah. interesting my dad doesn't get worked up about jujitsu he gets more worked up about MMA. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned your brother briefly, but Evan is, like, killing it right now too, right? When did he really start to get into it? Um, so he started the same time I did, but he quit um, for, like, a while while I stayed with it, like, continuously. So he started at 8, and then he quit when he was, like, 9 or 10, and then he started back up when he was, like, 15, like, with jujitsu. And, again, because my dad's, like, a psychopath, my dad has him in, like, the men's division – <laughs> as like a 15 year old with like heavyweight grown men um so it was kind of like again like either sink or swim moments like that's what my dad always put us in like I would be in like 20 divisions as a kid like I'd be in the kids division the teens division and the women's division at 13 years old um and just like competing against anyone and everyone I could so my dad was always like good with that aspect of like getting us as many matches as possible for like again repetition because competing is a skill um and uh yeah so evan's on fire right now he's had three mma fights um he lost his first one which was like a battle like it was a great great um experience for him and then his second and third one his second one lasted like 18 seconds because he um like body kicked the guy and he like dropped him and then his last fight was great went all three rounds and he won by decision but yeah he's on fire too oh my gosh when's his next fight november Okay, that's so exciting. Especially, like, it's really special that you guys both do it because it's, like, not many people know what you're going through, you know, leading up to a fight, in the midst of one, the aftermath, and, like, the feeling um, after it's done. So it's, like, cool that you guys get to kind of share that. Yeah, 100%. Like, we're in the car all the time together. We're, like, we're he's, like, my best friend. <laughs> Aww. And then your boyfriend, does he also fight? Uh, he wrestled all of his life. And then he does jujitsu with us. Again, he's like my training partner for like majority of stuff. Like he's just, he's so helpful. He like does all my nutrition and stuff, which is great. I'm so spoiled. Like he just makes all the food. For, he like, makes your food? Yes. When we're in, like when we're in fight camp, he makes all of the food, packs it, makes sure, like will text me when to eat what. And, what is fight camp? Uh, so that's basically like when you're prepping for a fight. So Got it. you start like eight weeks out. And then you kind of just like hone everything in. You like work on specific stuff for like a specific opponent and so on and so forth. How did he get so knowledgeable about, I mean, I guess, did he just like do his own research? 
So he they would make him take a class in college for when he was a wrestler on nutrition. Um, so it was like that and then tied in with like he would just watch YouTube videos and like what was best for like this, that and the other thing. And now we're here and I'm just and he's such a great reaping cook. the benefits. Yes, he's You're such like, a damn. Great this cook. paid off for me. <laughs> yes. I, like an amazing cook. Like we'll have people overall. We have like our friends over all the time because he's just such a great cook and he loves cooking. So I'm like, all right, well, if you love cooking, I mean, <laughs> I love eating. <laughs> Exactly. is he the one that makes like that great looking steak like i feel like every now and then you'll like post on your instagram and i'm like oh my god like i love meat like i'm like such a meat eater and it just looks cooked to perfection every single time every single time i we don't even bother going like out, like if i go out to eat i won't even bother going to like a steakhouse because i'm like christian makes the steaks better often like more often than not that so i'm like we are just so spoiled i'm like it's so much cheaper just to eat at home because you make it better than everyone else so he sits ringside right when you are um, fighting yeah. so he'll be in my corner um for like mma my corner can like tra- change a lot like depending on who can make it and who can't um but like he was in my um corner for my last mma fight is he there for like support does he offer no, like he's, verbal yeah he's he's knowledgeable and then it's also a sport too. Okay. So it's not distracting to you. Like it's comforting to have him there. Oh, hundred percent. Like he could talk me off a cliff. <laughs> like he's one of those people that just, he has a calming presence about him. He just like makes, he like puts everything in the sense for me. If I start to get like anxious or if I like, I'm starting to talk out loud about like my feelings, he's just very good at like calming me down. Oh, so the dynamic doesn't change from like out of a fight situation into a fight situation. Like he's always that calming presence for you. Exactly. Oh, that's special. I want to talk about the Gabby Garcia fight because that A, was just like insane and B, something that I feel like you gained a lot of popularity from. So I want to provide a little bit of context for anybody who really didn't see like the events leading up to the fight and the press conference and the controversy behind it. Can you just give a little bit of um, a background? Yeah, so it was for this tournament called Who's Number One? And they like pick like the like top competitors and she's ranked number one in our weight class because she's like 200 and like 80 pounds and she's like 6'2". Right. So it's just really annoying. I I never hated her. I just looked at her for what she was. And I'm like, you're just big. And you just over like, even though jujitsu is meant for the smaller person to beat the bigger person, like that is why jujitsu was invented. Right. It's like supposed to be utilizing like technique to overcome strength. So, but when the bigger person also knows jujitsu, it makes it a lot more hard. Right. So She's not very technical. She's just big, strong, and just, like, I think a lot of girls are just afraid of her because of her size, which I don't blame her. Like, it's scary fighting someone who's 100 pounds heavier than you. Uh, so, anyway, she always thinks she's, like, hot, hot shit, <laughs> whatever. Um, and we get to who's number one, and she doesn't come in for weigh-in. So, like, we didn't really have to weigh in, but, like, all all the other girls, the seven other, it was an eight-women division, the seven of us, we all stepped on the scale, weighed in, got our picture taken, and she just conveniently comes in late. And I'm like, that is so annoying because I want to know how much she weighs. Because when I fight her, because I, I had a feeling I was going to fight her. This is why. <laughs> this is also why. So they don't give you the bracket reveal yet. You don't know who you're fighting yet, like for your first round. And is I it knew random. 
No, they they seed it. So oh. like first, like she, she I knew she was gonna be first seed, and I'm I knew I was probably gonna be eighth. So I'm like, ah, uh, I'm like I'm probably. So that's gonna why get- you had a little extra fire under ass. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, of course she doesn't come the way in. Whatever. So I'm like getting all mad during the rules meeting, and I'm like to my boyfriend, I'm gonna I'm about to raise my hand and say something. And I'm not even that person. Like I am not that person at all. And he's like, just calm down. Just say it during the press conference. And then my dad calls me. She didn't weigh in. You better say something during the press conference. <laughs> and I was like, oh, they're I like egging you on. They're like, yeah. get her. So they reveal the bracket. So we're all sitting at a t- long table. They reveal the bracket in front of you. And I'm like, oh, no surprise. I have Gabby first round. I wanted the match, though. Like, don't get me wrong. I wanted the match because I saw girls that I've beaten or went against go against her. And I was like, OK, like I could see. Not they didn't get destroyed, but they didn't do great. And I was like, oh, I would like to see how I would do against her. So we're there at the press conference. They ask her like what she thinks about her first matchup, which is me. And she's like, oh, I don't really know her, blah, 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 blah. And then they ask me and I'm like, I'm really excited to go against her. I just don't understand why she didn't have to weigh in. So then she gets mad. She calls me the P word um, is basically saying like it's not in her contract, which is a lie. I asked the pr- promotion. So she lied. And then she's like, you know, like she, I just got her all mad and frazzled. Right. Was so this I'm, intentional? No, I, I just really wanted to call her out. for. for all right. Her. I didn't know if it was like part of the tactic. Like I'm going to get in her head. No, I was just I like, do. like, I was thoroughly mad because I'm like, I want the world to see how much she weighs because we're all weighing in at like 150s, 160s. And she's 280 pounds. And uh, anyway, like then I'm like that night of I'm like maybe I shouldn't have done that but it's like to the point where like my my sister was like on Instagram was like Amanda's like started something at like a press conference my mom's like my Amanda our Amanda started something because I don't ever get confrontational like that literally 10 minutes before I went on my dad texted me and was like you're gonna shock the world and I was like I went out there and I was feeling really good um and I just like killed it like dominated her like she was she has never lost this bad like she lost to like maybe like two other girls before by like an advantage point but like she was never manhandled the way i manhandled you were in control from the the get the whole time and it's kind of funny because like i look the next day i look back at the match and i didn't remember doing half the shit so that just shows you how like i was like literally just i like blacked out almost and i like i remember like specific things like i remember my coach yelling you're five minutes in kid. And this is like a 15 minute match. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm only five minutes in. And I'm like, been like moving this 270 pound woman, woman around for how long now? And I feel like I'm like 20 minutes in already. So you know, I just like, I did awesome. The crowd was like insane because they all don't like her either because she takes steroids. She weighs, she's, she just, is that fact by being so big. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like you cannot, even convincing that she doesn't take steroids. Um, <laughs> even if you looked at her from like years ago versus now, like her like bone structure and her face is kind of different, which like tends to happen if you take steroids for like a long time as a female. Um, They're not testing for that? Not for jujitsu. For MMA, oh, no. they test for like steroids, but jujitsu, they don't. And she never fights MMA. Um, she does in Japan, which again, they don't test over there. So she'll fight like girls that are. 150 and she's like 240 she'll like cut down to like 240 mm-hmm. and she'll like fight over there and it's like a spectacle over there so like 
I guess that's like what they're into over there. I'm not really sure. That sounds like such a hazard. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Cause like, I didn't even want to fight her for like the aspect of how big she is because like I, I wasn't nervous of fighting her. I was nervous of getting hurt because when you fight someone a hundred pounds heavier than you, it's scary. Like all she has to do is land on me a wrong way and I could have something broken. Um, so like that aspect was really annoying, but anyway, like the whole fight like blew up. I think it has like 3 million views on Facebook and like 2 million on YouTube, like of the fight. Which is you got cool. a kick-ass nickname from there too. <laughs> yeah. The giant slayer. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so that was just like such a cool experience. So after that, um, fight, which again was like clearly such a huge moment in your career, did you have other fights before the fight in London where you got injured? Yeah, so I had one, like, smaller grappling match, um, which I won. So I was, like, definitely riding, like, like I felt like I was on fire, right? Every match, I'm like, I was sort of my MMA fight, actually. So I had my MMA fight, then I had the Gabby match, and then I had another match, and I was just like, win, win, win. And then we were going to London, and it was, like, this girl who was, like, again, she was, like, a little bigger than me. She was probably like 185 and uh I was like she's just really she was really talented I was like really excited to go against her I had a great warm-up was feeling awesome in the middle of the match it wasn't even anything she did specifically like my foot kind of got caught on her torso and when she pressured in my fibula snapped and it sounded like a two by four just breaking in half and I don't know why I just thought I tore a ligament I was like convinced myself so much that I was like, Oh, I just tore a ligament. Like I'll be fine or whatever. They like pick me up, put me on the stretch. Well, my boyfriend picked me up, put me on the stretcher. They were going to make me walk on it. I couldn't even imagine what would have happened if I walked on it. And, um, anyway, they're like, okay, we're going to bring you in the emergency room. And I'm like the emergency room. I'm like, I'm not going to the emergency room. I'm like, you're going to take me up and I'm going to go back to my hotel room. It's a torn ligament. And they're like looking at each other. And I don't, I couldn't really see my foot because they had like an ice pack over it. And, they're like, well, maybe you should call your parents to see if they want you to the emergency room. And then my parents are like, just go to the emergency room. Just make sure everything's okay. And then they're like, what's your pain level? And I'm like, I don't know, at two. They're like, uh, all right, well, we're going to bring you in the emergency room now. I'm like, okay. So again, they're still not like telling me anything. I go get an x-ray and I'm like sitting there after the x-ray and I'm like, oh my God, I'm pretty sure I just broke my foot. I broke my leg because like I started getting like the worst pain ever. So like, I guess the adrenaline and everything yeah, wore off. And then like eight hours later, the London hotel, I mean, hospital was horrible. Don't recommend getting bringing anything in another country. Um, and I wasn't even sure if I saw a doctor. They told me that I'd be back in like six weeks and they gave me like a boot and told me not to be weight bearing. They gave me crutches and, um, Later that night, I had, like, a full panic attack. Like, sh I guess shock just set in. And I never had a panic attack before. So we got back to the to the hotel around, like, 3 in the morning. And Is it just you and your boyfriend at this point? Yeah. Okay. And he's, like, trying to calm me down. And I would, like, calm down for, like, two minutes and then be right back into, like, an anxiety attack. And he was, like, to the point where he's, like, Amanda, you've got it quiet down a little bit when you're crying because people are gonna think I'm murdering you in here because I was like wailing and I have I would like never in my life ever felt like such like emotion ever so after 
you got back to the United States. I assume you went to the hospital and got, was it a second opinion or? Yeah. So we went to Rothman um, and they were like, you have to get a plate and screws put in um, and you'll be out for six months. So like, then it was like a second shock, right? Because I just got told in London that it was going to be six weeks. So then they tell me it's six months. So then I'm here ha- having more emotional breakdowns because I'm like six months. So what people don't realize too is like, the promotion that I fight for, it's called the PFL. They're like the only promotion that is seasonal. So their season starts in April and then ends around October, which is literally, I got surgery in April, six months. We're in now in September. So I got, I had to miss out on the whole PFL season. So probably missed out. I missed out on so much money. And then on top of it, I missed out on possibly winning a million dollars. Well, wait, yeah. Get dive deeper yeah. into that. So the, the promotion I fight for is, is seasonal. And then they put you in a, a bracket basically to win a million dollars. Wow. So like, yeah. So like the pain of like losing the experience of being able to fight too, was just like a whole nother level added to like, okay, I could deal with an injury, but like when you're dealing with an injury and then you're dealing with missed opportunities, it's like a whole nother, like a whole nother level of like just mental stress. For right. Sure. How did you like cope mentally? Because I like feel like your lifestyle was so fast paced. You're always training, like very physically fit. And then I'm sure having this injury, you had to be very like sedentary. And basically your whole world was flipped upside down. So like, how did you cope? Did you like pick up new hobbies? Um, Luckily, I was like in school. So I had like some of that to distract me. But I was like non weight bearing for like a long time. So like that was really hard for me because I'm like such an independent person and I'm like, again, like a go, go, go person. So like having to even like get a shirt out of my drawer was like a struggle. So that was like, it was just like mentally, like so hard to overcome being so dependent on other people. Um, But like a week after my surgery, I made it a point to go back to strength conditioning because again, I'm just like lucky that the strength and conditioning guy I have is absolutely amazing like i walked in he didn't even like it was the first person just not even acknowledge my my like injury which was like something i i didn't know i needed so badly yeah. like he put me right to work and then like in the middle of the session he's like okay so how are you feeling like then he was talking to me so like when he just like ignored my injury right away yeah. and, like put me right to work it was just like such a good feeling of just like being able to lift again. So I, I got really strong, like super strong, just because I was constantly lifting with my upper body since I couldn't do much lower body stuff. Um, and again, he's just so knowledgeable. So even when I got out of like the cast, he was, and I was still kind of non-weight bearing, he was making me take my walking boot off and like would have me do like ankle mobility stuff to help build it back up. So I was just like so extremely blessed that he is the way he is and just the way he like continues to grow his knowledge. So where are you at right now in the recovery process? Are you even in the mindset of thinking up toward your next fight or? I go Thursday. That they'll they'll clear me on Thursday. Thursday. I actually competed two weeks uh, two weeks ago, so it was like I had four matches and I was like, okay, I'm gonna use this as kind of like a tester to see how I'm like doing. And um, I think it helped me like a ton because when I competed, I felt so great. I felt like so like confident in everything I was doing. Um, but that was kind of like the tester to see how my leg was and it felt great. So I was like very happy. That's exciting. I feel like after like putting in the work and like taking the time to recover, it's like feeling like you got 
a piece of the old you back and like your confidence is like the most important thing because like we said like there's such an important mental aspect to this sport and like that was honestly probably one of the biggest um things that you could have lost through this injury so just to kind of feel like yourself and get that confidence back I feel like is so key so I work with a mindset coach too um I started working with him um I had like a like our for jujitsu our olympics is called like adcc so we're not in the olympics but like our version of what the olympics would be is called adcc and i was in that in 2019 and i like didn't even again show up to compete i was like i don't even know who that person was out there like i just like completely did not do anything remotely like how i should be competing and then ever since then i just felt like i was never competing right after that so my boyfriend like begged me to talk to like a mindset coach like a mental like sports psychology. I was going to say, does the mindset coach specialize in sports performance, like with athletes? Exactly. Yep. Okay. So, um, I like talked to him right before my MMA fight, my first pro fight, and I felt the best I ever felt. So I was like, okay, this is what I'm talking about. This is awesome. So, sorry, did you say you do have a fight scheduled? Um, no. So I'm going to try to contact the promotion that I fight for. Cause they have like one more card left where they do like, they're like, uh, where the person wins like the million dollars, like two people fight for the million dollars. So they'll do like prelims, which is like fights before like the main fights. So I'm going to see if I can get on one of them. Um, when are they? Uh, October. Oh, okay. Okay. So soon. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm not hundred percent sure, but if I can, it probably, I won't be able to, to fight again until like April when they start their next season. So then gotcha. I'll just, again, just do jujitsu tournaments to try to stay active. Okay. So I guess like talking in terms of like short-term goals and like long-term goals, like do you have any, like when you think about what you want to accomplish, I know it's like you don't need to lay it all out there. Yeah, so um, I want to fight as long as I can, but also realistically, like how do I put it? Like I'm okay with not, which sounds so awful, but I'm okay if I don't become like a world champion. You know what I mean? Like I just really love the sport and I love – the aspect of fighting like as long as I can keep getting fights and just being able to perform like I do already now like I am so satisfied with that because again it's just it's the love of the sport for me it's not I was gonna say yeah you're not chasing fame you're not chasing like a recognition or like none of that means I mean sure yeah it could be really cool to gain those things but like you're doing it because of your innate love for the sport and like the lifestyle yeah so like I just love the whole aspect of the game so for me, it's just, I'm okay with not being like the pinnacle of the pinnacle of like the being in the UFC or something like that. Like as long as I'm making great money for what I do and like putting my body on the line for what I do, like stuff like that, that's more important to me at this point now. Um, like I'm lucky because like the promotion I fight for, they pay like their fighters better than like the UFC fighters. So like the, the amount of money I made for my first pro fight, like most people don't see until they're like a couple fights in in the UFC. So yeah, I'm so lucky. Um, But I mean, like, again, too, like UFC, like they'll have sponsorships and stuff. So they, people get paid off of sponsorships and stuff, but like per fight, like the promotion I fight for really takes care of their fighters. Yes. Um, I was going to say, that's a huge point of contention within the sport and like UFC in general. Like I know there's been a spotlight put on there recently. They're not compensated appropriately. Yep. And you're putting your life on the line for what? Exactly. Um, so I'm like, I want to get paid good for what I do. Um, 
like you, the hours of dedication you put into this is like nothing, like nothing ever. So I'm like, you gotta at least pay me good if I'm going right. As lo- yeah, as long as it's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, like that's why I think like you just do such a great, um, like sport for kids because like the mental aspect you get from it is insane. It's like an independent sport, you know, you're out there and like, you can only put the blame on yourself. It's not like you're on a team and you're like, Oh, well, so-and-so played really bad today. It's no, you didn't show up today. You're the reason why you lost. Accountability baby. Yep. Is on you. This is like, you knew what my last question was because before I let you go, I want to talk about the gym that you had opened up. If you ever foresaw yourself maybe opening a gym like that again, sometime in the future and I just got a little glimpse of the kind of coach that you would be and I love it like when I think of my future kids like I want them to be held to a standard like I want them to be taught what sports should teach you which is discipline accountability like everything that you were just standing for so could you just talk briefly about the gym that you had um and if you would ever explore something like that again yeah so we open up our gym so it was like me and my dad we opened it up uh, like a year before COVID. I was like a hard coach. Like I was more of like a competitive coach because again, I grew up all my years competing. Um, and like the parents and parents in Northeast Philly are so funny. They're like, you can slap my kid if yeah. you want. <laughs> all right, well, I'm not going to slap your kid. So like they let me, they would let me like run their kids into the ground if like we had a hard practice like, and they had no issues with it. Um, so that was really cool. But, uh, and then we had like a good adults program too. Like we had adults that would compete, which is awesome. Um, and I like loved it. Um, and then COVID hit and then we had to like shut down for like eight months. And then they like, Philly was like, oh, you guys can reopen. And they let us reopen for a month. And I got like so many kids, like, I guess, cause they were out for so long. Like people were just like trying to put their kid into anything. Cause everything was like so closed down. It was terrible. So I like got all these people to sign up and then they like shut us down again in Philly. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, I don't even know what the next year is going to bring. And I'm like, I might as well get out of this lease now. And then maybe if I want to open up a gym down the line, we can do that. Um, but I really think that I don't know if I would open up a gym again, just because of the t- how much time it takes up like in your evenings and like I'm already going I'm going to school now for like an actual job so I'm like uh maybe maybe not so what are you getting a degree in right now um so healthcare studies and okay then I want to go to nursing just because I feel like it's a very practical like work schedule both my parents are nurses yeah and to be honest I think that nursing is just a very like rewarding job in a way because don't get me wrong, my parents will complain sometimes, but like the way other people complain about their jobs and the way my parents complain about their jobs is like totally different. My parents don't really complain the way other people do. And I was like, like, I feel like they get some kind of satisfaction out of it. And that's why they don't complain about it. I was gonna say, is that a testament to your parents or a testament to the job? Maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, maybe. Plus like the hours are so practical. Like you only have to do three days you can pick up overtime. Like there's massive amount of, amounts of overtime. I'm like, I want to start a family one day. So like if I can only work three days a week and watch my kids and not put them in the daycare, like I'm already trying to plan for like the future. Right. So for sure. Be there for their sports games. Like just be a very present parent. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Cause like my parents were always so present and I'm like, I can never imagine not being as present as my parents were. Oh, well, no matter what 
your future holds. I'm just so excited to see what you do because it's been really freaking fun watching you so far. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, thanks for having me on.